This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking Pirate Baseball and the Sports Objective, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. ECU play-by-play voice Corey Glor and others will join us as we look back at the previous week and take a look at what's ahead. Now, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Welcome in to Extra Innings right here on the Sports Objective. Extra Innings brought to you by Next Level Training Center. I appreciate Trent Brett and Gaynell Brett uh, for their support of the program. And we have lots to talk about. Pirates have a tough week, one and two at the office, so to speak. With us right now, Kyle from the Grange Barber. How are you, man? Come on, Dave, the chiropractor, Richmond, because what you do is adjust. Yes, that's what we do. Hey, Bubba Rosenbaum, what's up? <laughs> Not a whole lot, guys. Um during the course of a 56-game season, you know, you're going to have some bumps in the road. But uh, hopefully that's all this is. I, I certainly think that will be the case. And uh, we'll get back on track starting Tuesday against North Carolina. And as always, our good friend, play-by-play voice of the East Carolina Baseball Pirates, that's Corey Glore. How are you, man? Dave, you did great work. My back has never felt better. Thank you for uh, for adjusting here on this Sunday. I'm doing well, gentlemen. I'm doing well. I, I, I'm sitting outside for this show here today. So I hope that's I was okay. Getting, yeah, Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, a great album from Jimmy Buffett. And I guess that's what you're doing, a change in latitude, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's lovely right now, although behind me, uh, there's a storm clearly brewing over there. So I'm going to watch that roll in here while we talk about some pirate baseball. So uh, we'll we'll do that and do the best we can. The Pirates go one and two on the week, Corey, starting off with a disappointing game in Chapel Hill. Want to get your thoughts uh, there? I guess we start on Tuesday night last week. Yeah, uh, I think the game kind of evolved the way the UNCW game did uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I thought the start of the game looked pretty solid for this team. And then as it got into the middle innings, um, it just seemed like they couldn't catch up to – the, the flow of the game, not necessarily the score, because it was within reach for the first half of that game. It was two to one for a while, then three to one, and then it's then Carolina's kept piling on. But uh, yeah, there's something about the middle innings of that game that re- were reminiscent of the trip to Wilmington, where it just seemed like they couldn't quite get their feet uh, going at full speed in the middle stages of that game, and Carolina did. So uh, it was a big game for the Tar they have uh, they have turned some heads here to start this year, and that was their biggest win thus far of the season. And they came out really from the jump looking like they were ready to play against the top 10 team in the nation. And, and they got a win and very much deserved to win that one. And Corey, for the fact that uh, we're usually the hunters, but it looks like with it being a top 10 team, uh, we've got to get used to being the hunted, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's not going to be another game, I mean, this the rest of the year. And there, frankly, hasn't been a game yet this year in which they are not going to get a team's best shot. I mean, they're going to get everyone's best punch. And this weekend was indicative of that. So um, I, think, I, I think that's actually kind of the key right now heading into this week, Dave. And we're not going to jump ahead yet. I know we got a lot to talk about. But um, I think this team now has to kind of, wrap their minds around the fact that everybody that they're going to see this point forward is going to give them everything they've they've got because they are the cream of the crop in the American and they're one of the best teams in the nation and now they have to expect opponents to play up to their level and that's that's what we saw this week. Corey do you make anything of uh, you, you go on the message boards and some of the fans you know want to make things out of stuff that I really don't think are are issues but you know, we won at Duke. We, we won the series two out of three at Georgia Southern. But a lot of the fans seem to think we have road woes. We can't play well on the road. And I just don't see that. You, you know, you blow out Elon Friday night. You you, you, you you win the series at Southern, like I mentioned. You, you win at Duke. I really don't know that, that the road has a lot to do with it versus, like you just said, teams giving us their best shot. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. And I yeah, I don't think the venue has done much of anything. The the game at Duke was probably the weirdest environment that they've had to deal with because there was truly nobody in there. And so everything that happened was just crickets and they, they won that game and they played really well for a good stretch of that game. So I don't think you know Carolina had pirate fans in the building and there were about 850 in that building they're they're used to an environment like that an adversarial type environment you know elon only had about 60 in for each of their games but there weren't pirate fans there fans were getting on them and so like they're used to that environment either to me the venue hasn't mattered as much as just sometimes you know and we've seen it twice now this week they they have not they've gotten teams um really best shots thrown their way and they responded to a lot of them two times this past week that happened yeah we seem to be inconsistent at the plate at times yeah now there's not a guy in this lineup that can't hit there's just times that the whole lineup doesn't seem to be able to get timely hits i think that's the key right now is is you know we're talking about five losses and it's not a lot of grand scheme of things but they all have a similar trajectory to them and that things have been a little bit inconsistent offensively in those games and so i i think that's now the question to figure out about how this team finds the you're not going to put up 15 every night like they did Friday night, but you know finding a balance of 15 one night and one the next day, um, finding the middle ground there. And, and you know this is something that you know Coach O and I were talking about um, after the series ended yesterday on our way back to the hotel was you know what's the ma- you know I feel like the, the major difference between this year's team right now and the 2019 team was that. There wouldn't necessarily be an offensive dip from one game to the next, like we've seen sporadically here this year, as opposed to the 19 team. And so I, I don't know where that gets found. Um, I, they have the talent to do it. I mean, the, the talent's there to you know not have a downswing like we saw on Tuesday night or on Saturday afternoon. It's just a matter of, I think, finding the right combination to do it and, and, and guys stepping up to avoid circumstances like what we've seen the last couple of games. Corey, you talk about Tuesday night's game with the Tar Heels. It was three to one there in the middle innings. The Pirates left two on in the top of the fifth. And then from that point on, uh, you already alluded to how the Tar Heels just tacked on in the fifth through the eighth, um, scoring five runs in those four innings, um, plating runs in each of those frames. But, um, you know, one of the differences in addition to the Tar Heels getting four extra base hits, I think two doubles and then two home runs, uh, you also had uh, East Carolina pitching, uh, you know, walk eight batters, which is um, very unusual. And then the Tar Heels, I think, only walked one or two. Yeah, and I think that that stat, and, you know, I don't remember the strikeout numbers from the Carolina game, but there, the, the, disparity, the disparity was huge Saturday, five strikeouts. Okay, so it wasn't actually as big as we've seen in the past. But um, every time Carolina seemed to hit the ball, it hit hard. And I think, you know, from the very start of that game, um, it, it seemed like everything was barreled by that Tar Heel lineup. That's a powerful team. That is a powerful lineup. And, you know, you, you look at the initial batting average stat, and that doesn't wow you, but that's not supposed to at this day and age of modern baseball. You look at the other numbers, like the on-base percentage, the slugging, and they're very high up in that category. And they have just otherworldly talent from around the country. And so they're not going to uh, miss mistakes. And, and that was and they're also not going to go after mistakes they're going to let pitches fly out of the zone and they're going to draw their loss so um that was a common theme tuesday it was a common theme on saturday and so it's yeah i think tuesday is a little more of a twofold operation in terms of that loss than the one we're going to talk about here in a second elon but, but um the simply put tuesday was not the finest hour of pirate baseball it started off fine for my perch uh, and then much like the game, you know, the week prior in Wilmington, it just kind of uh, devolved. Let me ask you this, Corey, as far as the Wilmington game and the North Carolina game, we talked about in, in the past, uh, I think last weekend as well. But it seems to me those two games are not bad losses. How do you feel we're going to get ready to talk about yesterday's game? Is that a bad loss to an Elon team that seems to be pretty young? Yeah. I mean, to be kind of blunt about it, I mean, it's, I, I don't 
think we'll like looking back at that one. I'll put it that way. It, it's not, it, it will stand out a little bit, but we, we just talked a little bit about the 2019 team as well. And they had a few in their early going that year. And after that point, they lost to Monmouth. They lost to Air Force. Um, right. They lost to some, to some subpar teams. And, and then they kind of got their heads around it and they took off from there. And so I think this week is a huge a huge week for this team upcoming after coming after this game on Saturday, it, you know, Elon is going to struggle this year. They are not just young, they're injured. They do not have their Friday night starter. Um, and they are playing freshmen everywhere. So especially after 15, nothing win on Friday nights, it, it was pretty clear about four innings in that Elon was completely flushed that one out. And um, the pirates, I think weren't able to do that. And, and that's why they were able to match their biggest win this season, maybe their biggest win of that they'll have all year because they won't see, you know, they'll have some midweek games coming up, but they hosted a top 10 team, a team they haven't beaten in five years. Um, and they, they grabbed that final game. And it's rare for the Pirates to lose the finale of a weekend, albeit on a Saturday. They, they did not come out the way we're used to seeing them to finish our series. Elon did. And they got a huge one because of it. And it's a loss the Pirates are going to have to work to make up for. That's what I was impressed about. Um, you, you referenced um, the Elon uh, Young Ball Club that Mike Kennedy has. Uh, I was very interested to see how they would respond to Friday night. And um, they obviously did so with flying colors. Well, they, uh, you know, after the game, when, when Coach O and I were packing up our stuff, after Friday's game, we noticed that Elon spent a lot of time in, in right field or post-game conversation. They spent a ton of time out there talking about what just happened and not letting that happen again. They got embarrassed Friday night. The Pirates embarrassed them. Um, and so that was a rallying moment for Mike Kennedy, who has seen it all in 25 years, to a very young group. Like, do you want this to happen again? Or what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to be tomorrow? And they threw a guy who... Is their Saturday guy right now? They think he's going to be their Friday guy maybe as soon as this weekend and Spencer Bauer. And right away, he was really in command of this Pirate lineup. And when the pitching is rolling like it did for Elon on Saturday, then that'll the whole team starts to rise up behind that. And it took two pitches in the fourth of them to take the lead. And then from their Saturday guy to their Sunday guy on the mound, uh, who has pitched well against the Pirates in the past, pitched well again. Uh, and it just it kept the momentum kept rolling, kept going to, to the Elon dugout till eventually they cut down the run to the, the runner at second to end the game. It, it was I think that is a moment that Elon will look back on, not just this year, but in the next couple of years as these young guys develop and grow for Mike Kennedy. As maybe that was the the button that was pushed for them to, to kind of realize what they can be. Um, the Pirates are the victim of that, and now starting. Tuesday and starting this weekend, um, they're going to have to work on not being that moving forward. Corey, uh, is this is it fair to say? I know it's early in the season with the Pirates, but is it fair to say that they're still trying to find themselves after yesterday, or is it you think it's uh, is that too strong of a statement? No, I think that's a little strong. I think they know what they are. I think they know how talented that they are because they are extremely talented, they're the most talented team in the league, and one of the more talented teams around college baseball. I think not taking that for granted is probably the next message because you cannot just walk in after piling up 15 runs the night before and expect you'll do that again. So um, making sure you're honing in day in and day out, inning by inning, pitch by pitch. It's a baseball cliche, but you've heard it a lot, not just over the years, but especially this season with Cliff Godwin, staying focused in on what this team can accomplish because if you don't then Saturday happens and now how this team responds from that will be very very telling as to what they will be moving forward in the conference play going back to Friday night Corey you talk about responding uh, after what happened Tuesday night and you fully expected the Pirates to respond and and they did that in the first game of the Elon series uh, you know putting up that sixth spot in the first inning, and then Gavin Williams uh, pitched a heck of a ball game. That's probably the best he's pitched uh, in my time seeing him. I mean, and getting his second start of the year, 11 strikeouts, it, it's it's much more comfortable. 
comfortable pitching with a six-run lead before even taking the mound. But th- there was a purpose there to them coming out right away, and they, they knocked out a true freshman pitcher before the first inning was even over. They wanted to um, come out strongly, and they did. Uh, and, and when you have a guy like Gavin Williams mixing as well as he was doing, it wasn't just the fastball or it wasn't just the, the, the off-speed stuff, like what he had really gone well against Illinois State the weekend before. It was everything. He was really in command of everything that he was throwing. Um, then you're not going to get beat. I mean, you're gonna, that, that was a Friday night base-level performance from a guy that we know had, can be that. And he knows he can be that. Um, that's the type of performance that gets you noticed. Uh you know, not just as a baseball team, but as him as a pitcher and what he can be moving forward. So to, to put up six runs in the first inning, to let Gavin do the rest until that eight-run seventh inning, and let some of the young guys come in and contribute like they did, um, that's the type of complete, thorough performance that I think Cliff Godwin knows this team could do night in and night out. Um, to have that be the lone win of the week, now it's the, you know, how does Friday translate over to more contests to keep that a consistent factor of what this team does um that's going to be starting tuesday i think what a lot of people will be looking at i know a lot of pirate fans between reading social media and message boards the tuesday night game is huge but the reality is that is a huge game but every single game i want to remind pirate fans including like yesterday we'll talk about that game here in a second Corey. but the big picture is as coaches alluded to it's a pride thing Obviously, you want to win all the in-state games, but every single game matters because if nothing else, let's be honest. I know Coach wants a national seed really bad. We all do. Um, and I know that they've been projected to be the seventh um, national seed is what I'm hearing. So I know that's a long ways away. So what I'm just trying to say is that um, big picture of things, it does. it is terrible to lose the game, but it's 56 games. Now we got to keep moving and, and looking forward to Carolina's next team on deck, but certainly – uh, we know there's many more games to come, not to take that for granted, but um, to know that uh, don't just like, in other words, last people last week, people were losing their mind over the game. And and I'm, I know about Elon, but keep in mind that we need to be taking that for the American teams as well to dominate the conference, to have a chance at the national seat. Now the Pirates will get their shot here to to exact some revenge on Carolina in, in a couple of nights. And if they're able to grab a win on Tuesday, then the um, the complaining about last Tuesday from fans from social media will simmer down. I mean, that's just going to be the nature of the beast. Yeah, it, it sucks to lose that game. It sucks to lose five games this year. That is part of the sport. That is part of baseball. Is that you're not going to go 56 and 0 or now 55 and 0 this year? Um, I, it, I, we talked about this prior to you know this, that game last week on the show. Um, how important that game was for Carolina. I mean, and and I I cannot be lost in the discussion here. They came out, they dominated that game from the fourth inning onward. They played like a team that knew that that game mattered for them early on the season. That's not to say it didn't matter for East Carolina, but it did strongly for the Tar Heels. That's their best win of the year. And there are a lot of people wondering if that is them. They haven't shown much this weekend already against NC State, and they're going to play games tomorrow to try and reset themselves here against the Wolfpack before coming out to Greenville on Tuesday. But that game on Tuesday meant a ton to a first-year head coach and a team that is catching a lot of focus right now in the ACC. So I understand the uh, the anger about losing a game to North Carolina for folks out here. Treat it as it is, and that is you lost a baseball game. And the biggest reason why you probably should be happy about it is that for most of that game, they didn't look great. Like, it's one thing to lose a game, and you gave it your best shot. But for a lot of that game, it wasn't their best effort. And so that's what you should be more frustrated about, not about who they lost to. In Saturday's 2-1 loss to Elon, I mean, you know, yesterday the, the Pirates did score first. Um, you know, Cadell and Amac had those doubles in the fourth inning. And something else that we, at least uh, I don't think we've touched on yet, I had to step away for a moment, was the uh, pitching performance by Jake Kuchmaner yesterday. Um, don't want that to be lost in the loss. Yeah, I thought Jake was okay for the start of the game. He had to, I mean, he was putting leadoff men on right away in, in the first – Three of the first four innings, the leadoff men were on for Elon. 
he, he was in a stressful situation for most of his outing. Um, I think probably the message after that game was there weren't as many tough at-bats from this pirate lineup as uh, the staff is expecting night in and night out. And Alec Makarevich had one of the best at-bats of the year to get the Pirates on the board in the fourth. The 10-pitch at-bat with two outs and drove in the run with a double. Yeah, he was probably stand out offensively yesterday because there weren't a ton of other folks up and down that lineup that uh, seemed to quite have their footing underneath them. The guy was changing speeds on him, mixing all over the place, was flooding the zone, getting in front of hitters almost every time out. Spencer Bauer was rarely behind him counts. And so the Pirates couldn't quite work that pace to what they wanted to there. Um, once Cooch Manor gave up the home run in the fourth inning, he pitched great. It was weird. There, all of a sudden, that home run just kind of uh, there was a switch, and he, he sat down the next nine in a row. And it's amazing how pitchers can do that. Jake is one of the best at just kind of flushing out anything that might have happened prior to that. He threw two pitches in the fourth inning. Suddenly, he was trailing. And after that, he was in command. He was absolutely the Jake Cooch manner we have seen over the years. He didn't get the support behind him. It turned out to be a Friday night pitcher's duel type game on Saturday. Um, and someone loses that every time out. And Cooch Manor was the one who did it there. He deserved better than that. Um, but Elon threw two of their weekend guys out there, and the Pirates didn't have an answer for either one of them. And you referenced the strikeout total earlier. East Carolina struck out 14 games uh, on Saturday. And um, C.J. Mayhew gave the Pirates a chance there to come back in the late innings. Well, and I think the other key was I think it was 14 strikeouts to one walk maybe two walks um not working at bats and, and Bauer was getting in front of a lot of hitters all day so it, well, already they're set back a little bit but the other thing that stood out was pirate pitching which was who Manor made you yesterday struck out nine walk none there was a hit batter in there but they pitched great and the fact that losing a game like that is indicative of what can happen in a pitcher's duel so um, I think this game could be a little bit of a hopefully a turning point for um, this team this week because uh, that was a long bus ride back on Saturday after that game. I'm sure very little was said, but I don't think much needed to be said uh, after a game like that. If you watch it, if you listen to it, you kind of sense how that game was progressing as it went. And once it got to about the seventh inning, you started seeing storms on the horizon. Then it seemed like, not only were they battling a pitch that they couldn't figure out, they were also battling time because it looked in doubt that that game would get finished. So um, I, I think the Pirates were kind of caught off guard a little bit on Saturday by what was coming at them in a couple of different ways. And Corey, as far as uh, on the last Tuesday's game, and of course the one we're getting ready to talk about with uh, Tuesday's game in Greenville against the Tar Heels, that will still help them, obviously, with RPI that we uh, – we actually, I know that it, we lost the game, but it still doesn't hurt us with RPI, right? The Carolina game? Yeah. No, that didn't hurt at all. Um, the, the the loss Saturday does hurt. Um, but uh, but right now, I think the, the last thing I saw from Warren Nolan was that the Pirates are 10th in the RBI. In the RPI. And so that was a, about a five, six spot drop after Saturday's game. Um, so, you know, this game coming up on Tuesday, a loss there doesn't hurt, you know, it's in North Carolina is in quad one. It, it does not impact you in that regard. Uh, in terms of that, if we're looking at that already, um, Thursday becomes a much bigger focus because Cincinnati comes in with not the highest RPI ranking in the world right now. And so then you take care of business to start off conference play your first four game in three days stretch after a Tuesday night game. Um, that will be more telling than whatever happens Tuesday. Do you think from a middle standpoint, Corey, after losing to Wilmington and losing to North Carolina and then being in-state rivals, uh, I don't know if the players care about that as much as the fans do, that aspect of it. Do you think winning Tuesday will do a lot for the guys mentally? I think it's a win-win. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think you're, you're correct, Kyle, and I don't know. The only real attachment that I think most of these players have to other programs, that they will know some guys here or there, that are on these programs. Maybe they're recruited by them as well. But they, I don't think that 
exists as strongly within that clubhouse as it does around the fan base about we need to be Carolina, we need to beat UNCW, we need to beat State, we need to beat Duke, all these. They would love to beat them, but it's more about playing the ball that they, know that they know they're capable of. And every time we've talked about a loss so far this year, they have bounced back with not just a win, but a really good one and a really good looking one like Friday night was. So uh, it would be very, very shocking if they don't come out looking like the Pirates team we know they are Tuesday night. That might not result in a win. I mean, that's that's the nature of the sport. But if if they don't look the part, if they don't look like the team we know that they are, and they're 17-5, and five, they're a great team, they've, had a, they've, they've not had a great week. If they don't look the part, that's going to stick out more than, oh, it's Carolina. Like, how come we couldn't beat Carolina? Or why did we lose to UNCW? That sort of thing. That That is more outside the program than inside the program. And, Corey, as far as uh, pitching is concerned, I know we talked a little bit about it, but uh, do you think uh, – will Tuesday night be – uh, I guess it's more speculation now. Will that be Johnny Holstaff? You know, I, I kind of thought it would be um, prior to the shift with St. John's and Elon. Uh, I thought that Tuesday would be a whole staff and then Smith would start Thursday nights in the opener against Cincinnati. Then you'd have Williams and Cushman in the doubleheader Friday, followed by Wiz and Hunt on Saturday. That's kind of how I thought they would structure this week. Now with just two games against Elon done in the books, and you didn't see Wiz and Hunt at all in the last couple of games, maybe he gets the ball to – I would imagine they'd want to have him – open the Cincinnati series that they're going to switch something around, or you have the possibility of Tuesday being, you know, you can throw a guy to start on Tuesday for a couple innings and limit his pitch count and have him be ready to go for Saturday in the finale. And so that's, that's on the table as well right now for the pirates, it, because there was no game today. Um, they are a little bit freer to kind of manage what they want to do with their arms for five games in a very condensed amount of time this week. So this time a week ago, I think we discussed this a little bit. Things looked a little bit more clear. Now they might actually be cleared up even more, but um, it's a little bit trickier to actually figure out who's going to slide in where right now. So the, the speculation is I don't know how things are going to look right now starting Tuesday and through the Cincinnati series. Yeah. Corey, something I brought up um, on the last show, but I believe it was right after you uh, you got off, uh, me and Bubba discussed it. I don't know how many conferences are, are doing this uh, this playing four in a weekend thing, uh, doubleheader, starting series on Thursday kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I doubt it's very many. Um, do, do you think that'll give us an advantage come regional time? I think it would. Totally. Uh, yes. Yeah. No question. Yes. That, and, and I don't think that was part of the design. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it might have been discussed around some of the coaches that you know this is the worst thing in the world to set us up for once we get into regional play. Um, yeah. I, I. I. It will absolutely benefit in that regard. If the Pirates can find their four starters, and you think you have them pretty well set in stone right now. But getting you know, you're going to have eight weeks of this. Like, as long as all the schedule stays put, we know how dicey that can be with what happened this past weekend. But, um, yes, that sets up nicely for postseason play. And I, I think there are one or two other leagues that are doing something similar to this or they're doing just three games in two days, that sort of thing, to limit travel. I don't know about the forward three, like what the American's doing. But to, I totally agree with you, Kyle. It, it does, down the line, this should pay a pretty nice benefit to the Pirates and whomever else out of the conference makes the tournament this year when it comes to regional play. Oh. Corey, have you taken a look at um, what's been taking place around the American this weekend? Uh, right before we went live, I was watching some of the South Florida-Texas Tech game. Uh, Texas Tech had taken the first two games of that series, and USF was playing them pretty well today, but uh, Texas Tech was pulling away in the middle innings. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's a shame, and it's unfortunate because, boy, the conference needed some sort of marquee weekend here in the last couple of weekends, and they didn't get it. Um, and USF was kind of the last shot at that because now that some some teams have games Tuesday, some don't. And so now it's, you know, you're out of opportunities around the league 
to pick up some boosting wins. Um, I was watching a little bit of Cincinnati and St. Louis today, and the Bearcats were getting routed by St. Louis, and I think the route wow. continues. Um, so they're going to drop two of three of that series. So, um, but again, they didn't throw their ace this weekend. They're lining him up for Thursday, Evan Shaver. So, um, you know, Thursday night will be a bit of a different look than the next two days after for that series. But uh, outside of that, you know, the, the league has been what it's been, I guess, the last probably month to five weeks, which has been um, frustratingly underwhelming. And now there are, there are not many chances to change that rhetoric. As, as we've seen in conference play, guys, you know, 2019 was an exception where one team ran away with the league and hid. Usually this is a true brawl. Like the, it comes down to the final weekend and, and teams are just punching each other in the face, left in and left and right. It, is, it always just seems to be bloody and messy down the stretch of conference play. It is rare that the, the you know, have a team do it. Pirates did in 2019. Now, you know, you're not going to have those midweek games in the middle to try and change things a little bit. You have 32 straight in the league, and it's a lot of teams sitting at 500 right now, and just mathematics will tell you it's going to stay that way for a lot of this play. So the Pirates are going to have to take care of business, and that's easier said than done here, because it they are the best team in the league, and judging by what I've seen, it's not horribly close at the moment. Even with this past week, they have the talent, they have the uh, the deep, the deeper pitching staff than anybody does in the conference right now. So, can they take care of business in 32 conference games as opposed to 24 this year? It's going to be much harder to do that, but that's kind of what is staring the Pirates in the face this year. Yeah. Cincinnati, they did actually win the the first two games. Of- Oh, of that St. Louis, St. Louis series, but um, prior to coming to Greenville on Thursday, you know they do have a very tough midweek game. They go to Louisville. Yeah, I anticipate that to be a loss. Like just to put bluntly, like I mean, is Cincinnati has that they hit bombs. They are a very good home run hitting club. Outside of that, and Evan Shaver leading the rotation has been terrific this year. Um, there is not much wowing you behind that in terms of what Cincinnati. Has. This week, guys, is so is more so about what this Pirates team is and can be than maybe any other week thus far. Like, I, I'm just being clear there because there, there's no – that's one thing to, to lose to Carolina on Tuesday night. Um, and the, you know, the, the message is pretty clear. We didn't play well. Like, it, that was the message. The Pirates did not play like themselves for most of Tuesday night. The, the game Saturday is different. So, how do they bounce back from that game? It's much more – about inward than who's on the other side of the diamond, not just Tuesday night, but this whole weekend with conference play coming. So uh, now's the time to kind of get back into what we know that they are and put this bad week behind them and make it just that, just one bad week in a season of 12 to 14. Um, And you're going to see a very good Carolina team who's going to play a bunch of innings tomorrow before coming out here. And you're going to see a Cincinnati team that in any given environment you should be able to handle. It's now taking care of your own business. Yeah, if you, you beat Carolina Tuesday, then take three out of four from Cincinnati. Nobody's going to remember this week. Better changes, totally. I mean, the, the messaging changes from outside this program, the feeling of, of the fan base changes um, with a good week this week. I mean, that, that that's this sport. Like, it, it's, it, it is not football. It is not, it's not even basketball. Uh, it is a lot can change on a dime. At case in point, from Friday night to Saturday afternoon, a wildly different change with what happened in those two games. That is this sport, and it is a bit of a marathon here. Well, we're about at the, nearing the halfway mark of this marathon now, um, and now the games get every single one of them get vital. So um, you have a good week this week, and you're for only five-game week of the year, and, you know, the, the sun rises again around Pirate Nation. Hey, something else to note about the Bearcats. Um, the Bearcats have already taken part in at least two four-game series um, this year. Um, they split a four-game set down at UNC Wilmington and then also had a four-game series last weekend against Xavier. Yeah, I, I think that's smart on their part. They also – they don't get it. they aren't able to book – I don't know if they 
played six full midweek games yet this year because of their location. So getting a four-game weekend set on the book to eat up some of that. And those have been, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bubba, those two weekends sets he was talking about were the previous two weekends prior to this one that they're playing right now and so they you know they, they were in wilmington not too long ago they played their xavier series not too long ago so they're they're getting kind of scared googans did something very smart there and and building things up and for how weekend plays going to look for them uh and doing it right before league play starts it's very smart move for for very smart coach he's one of the better more underrated coaches that this conference has um, and so for him to do that, figure out what he has, figure out what works best for him in a four game weekend across three days. Um, that was, uh, one of them was for three days. The other one was, was around four, but, um, to figure out what he can do with that and then prep for that is very, very smart. on his behalf. And they went two and two against the Seahawks and two and two against the Musketeers. And they, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, I think, I think maybe the open weekend of the season, they went down to Clemson. Sounds right, yeah, and they got they uh, they got drummed pretty hard by Clemson. I mean, it's it's a team that you know they're going to f- likely finish in the bottom of this league. But when you're talking about eight straight weekends with a doubleheader, you just don't know how that's going to flush out, regardless of the talent, regardless of the pitching staff. It's all going to be: Do you have enough bullets in the chamber on the mound to get through four games in the span of seventy-two hours? The Pirates think they have that, and the Pirates probably do have that in a leg up or other teams on the conference. But all it takes is one bad outing, and the script is thrown out. So that so this this will be not just an old conference season. This is going to be a very unique challenge for the Pirates here to try and defend their regular season title. That's what I was going to ask you about, Corey. Is that very fact of the pitching uh, going into this <clears throat> a unique situation with COVID nineteen with the the four game weekends now instead of three like we normally have. How do you feel going into? We're kind of previewing that. How do you feel about that with the uh, pitching? As far as we've got a lot of young guys, we've got a lot of great guys that are senior leadership, if you will, uh, in the bullpen coming out with Bridges and a Cole. We got a lot of great guys that have been in the program for a long time. Um, I guess it comes down for me. There's definitely talent there. It comes down to only performance, but also to try to limit the as much as we can the injuries, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, injuries can throw a wrench into everything, and that's for every team in the conference. Th- this pitching staff is, was not built for four-game weekends, but they, like, that wasn't the design heading in, but the season and all the changes to it are going to put them in that spot, and they're very equipped to handle it. Like, th- this year, more than any other year, this pitching staff can do four games in three days. And so you you have four starting pitchers. Like, you you know you have those locked in. But if any, any one of them waver over the course of the first couple weeks of this conference season, you know, you could throw a C.J. Mayhew to start a game. He's pitched three, four innings regularly already this year. If you want to go with a Cam Colmore at the start of a game, you can do that. Like, because he's gone a couple innings already for you this year. Even the last time we saw Garrett Saylor, you went four innings. So, you know, it, you know these. There are people also at the ready in case they need to shift the rotation around, whether it's injury or just they think they can do a little bit better at the start of a game. The, this staff is ready to handle four games in three days, and that wasn't that wasn't the plan. But once circumstances change for twenty twenty one, I mean, Jason Dietrich told me before the season even started, he can't wait for this to start he knows he has the horses to manage through this and it starts with you know three of your starting pitchers being at least four years into the program and another one who acts like he's been around for four years already like that they have the maturity leading the way on the mound and they also have it at the back end of their pitching step as well to handle a bunch of games in a short amount of time Taking a look at some other scores from around the American, um, we've talked about UCF on previous uh, episodes of Extra Innings and how the Knights are struggling to find any type of consistency. They're on the verge of going one and three this week. It's still, uh, I think, about the fourth or fifth inning, but they're trailing Troy nine to one in the rubber match of that series, and that would make them one and three on the week. And then you also had um, Houston playing a four-game series with UT Arlington out of the Sun Belt. And the Cougars are trailing in the 10th inning. And uh, if they are unable to come back, um, they would drop three out of four in that one. 
That one's more baffling to me than the uh, UCF Troy one. Troy's not bad, uh, and going on the road to play there is a trick. But um, you know, UT Arlington is not supposed to be too shabby either. I, I will forgive my previous comment, but um, dropping three or four at home, Houston just kind of the pitching hasn't been as there as I think a lot of folks thought it would be. That lineup already had a couple of holes in it to start. But um, so Houston, this is kind of the second year in a row, even the shortened year last year, Houston has kind of been underwhelming. So that's uh, Todd Whitting is a much better coach than the results that he's been getting. So I, I'm fascinated to see how they start off league play uh, because they're playing a four game series this weekend. And if they're going to drop by UT Arlington, um, what will they do against a two lane? You know, or they'll see Wichita State, I believe, eight times this year. So what will they do against Wichita, who is right now probably second in the league in terms of what they've been able to do this season. So um, UCF doesn't surprise me. They kind of loaded up for one weekend this year, and they got two or three Ole Miss. And ever since then, they've left a lot on the table. But Houston is a team that's kind of befuddling me. Yeah, the Shockers are actually who I was going to bring up next, and the Shockers are – uh, having a 4-0 week, um, they swept Omaha, winning in three blowouts, and then they won 5-1 to over K-State out of the Big 12 in the, in the midweek. And then you also had um, Tulane. They're going to have to come from behind against Grand Canyon. I think they're trailing something like 4 or 5 nothing fairly late um, in order not to drop two out of three in that series. Yeah, that's another frustrating one. I mean, Grand Canyon has, um, frankly, poured a lot into their athletic department a very short amount of time and so they are um trying to make strong pushes we just saw them in the basketball tournament um but Tulane once you get past Braden Oltoff in the Friday night start of the rotation um they haven't found their answers there behind him yet so they have next they have arguably the best pitcher in the conference uh leading their rotation behind that has been dicier and so dropping two or three to the lopes of Grand Canyon will not sit well at home. Uh, and, you know, Wichita State was a fascination for me last year. Derek Wedge getting his first year uh, at his alma mater. And they're starting to kind of play it all together here, right, heading into conference play. So it'll be a little while before the Pirates see them. But um, the Shockers wasn't that long ago when they were, you know, they entered the league and were pretty – decent thorn in the side of American teams already. It hasn't been that way since. Um, right now, they kind of seem like they're second in line right now. Something else of note, a couple scores from regional perspective. South Carolina's had a bit of a resurgence uh, this year. They, they had gotten off to a good start last year before things um, got shut down. But the Gamecocks, um, I think, were on the verge of maybe sweeping Florida. And yeah, then they you did. Also- okay, and then uh, – did you, since I'm bringing up that series, did you see what happened on Friday night, Corey, when uh, I think it was the top of the 14th, the Gator, the, the lefty hit the bomb to center field and between second and third, he, he grabbed his junk. <laughs> and, and then in the bottom of the inning, the Gamecocks walked him off. I did not see that. I just saw that South Carolina grabbed all three against Florida. I did not see any sort of theatrics on Friday. Yeah. Corey, Bubba has his Twitter set where he gets notifications anytime anybody grabs his jump. Oh, yeah. that's. I didn't know that that was an alert. That was yeah, – yeah. uh, you could plug yeah. in Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got it set up that way. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Kyle <laughs> No, uh, but, yeah, but, the Gamecocks, obviously, Mark King. You, you threw USA. Bubba for a loop, Kyle. Well done. You, yeah. Bubba does not know how to recover from that. USF old coach, Mark Kingston. Yeah, yeah, Corey, I don't know why I'm surprised. I, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> Glad I didn't disappoint. <laughs> no question. Uh, Corey, as far as the teams around the country, are there teams that you're looking at outside uh, the American that are really – like the wow factor. I know Vanderbilt's number one in the country. No surprise there. They have a tremendous program. But what are are there some teams that are kind of surprising you right now, maybe off the radar? Well, well, off the radar, um, no. <laughs> I mean, you look at the top five. I mean, Arkansas is the best team in the country. I, I know Vanderbilt can make their case, but, Van, but Arkansas just 
grabbed a series against Mississippi State this weekend. So, um, you know, Vanderbilt's a wonder to watch. They're a little bit frustrating to watch uh, for reasons we won't get into here. But they have the best pitching staff for the best two starting pitchers in the nation. And they might go one, two in the draft this year and rocker and lighter. So um, if you're not going to be able to get Vanderbilt um, on a Sunday, you're never going to get them. Like it because those guys are just straight up unhittable right now. Uh, but Arkansas almost seems to be kind of under the discussion of Vanderbilt. I, I, every week on Twitter, you see a ton about Rocker and Lighter, and I, I follow pitching, ninja, and so he's focusing in on those two, especially with what Lighter's done over the last two weeks, and it's warranted. Um, but uh, Arkansas has kind of proven that they're the top of the nation right now. Uh, in a year where you know, we just talked about Florida getting, you know, housed in three games by South Carolina, where things have shifted a lot already around the country. Arkansas has been kind of the one team that hasn't moved um, from the position. So that that they're the best team in, in the nation right now. And to me, um, you even have a, a slight bit of a drop off of Vanderbilt after that. Core, you bringing up lighter. Uh, that was going to be the other thing that I was going to mention. Um him having the chance to throw consecutive new hitters uh, and, and, and Trent Britt from next level training center uh, made an excellent point. Uh, I mean, they were beating Mizzou what 11 to nothing. So mm-hmm. it was refreshing to, to see uh, coach Corbin and that staff do what's in their long-term interest instead of just trying to set that record. Yeah. I think he went seven innings um, on Friday or Saturday is my, or no, it's Friday night. My apologies. Um, and coming off of a nine-inning game the weekend before, I Frank, I don't know how much two more innings would have done um, for a guy that's already developed and a guy that will be a you know a very high draft pick this year. So I, I see that. I'm not disagreeing with Trent at all in that regard, but um, something tells me they might have been able to make a slight exception uh, for Jack Leiter, regardless of if he had fired one the week before or not. No question about it. Kyle, did you have a question? No. Hmm. You all should have quiet on this. Man, uh, Corey, you got him speechless now. I've never seen Kyle speechless. I mean, I'm listening to the loud thunder heavy rain. Yeah. Oh, I'll try to make time right now. Kyle can get another jab in. Well, I take my jabs where I can get them, Bubba. I'm just here for entertainment purposes <laughs> only until football season. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, nah, Dave, the, the weather has me distracted. It's getting pretty stormy here. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I really don't have anything else. I mean, looking forward to this week so the boys can get back on track, honestly. I mean, uh, Tuesday night to me from the fan standpoint is, is probably bigger than it is from the player standpoint. I think a win Tuesday night will get all the smiles back on the fans' faces. Bubba, do you want to go now to our PGX? We'll start off with a PGX Pitcher of the Week. Yeah, earlier we talked about the performance that Gavin Williams had in Friday night's game against Elon. And Gavin went six innings uh, of shutout baseball, four hits, and those 11 Ks to just one walk. So Gavin Williams is the PGXGloves.com Pitcher of the Week. And then um, it was a struggle for the offense. Um, We mentioned two games with only one run, but uh, Thomas Francisco has just been a hit between, had a hit in every game, uh, three singles and a double. In addition to a walk, four of 11 on the week for Fran, and he is uh, back to back on the PPX Player of the Week. Yeah, and I'll just reiterate this point again. We got way too many good players at the bat or at the plate with the bat in their hand to only put up one run in two games in a week. That's not going to happen again. I think uh, I think Coach Godwin would probably agree with you on that one, uh, and I, I do as well. I think if you would have told me the Pirates would have 16 runs in two games against Elon, that would have been a pretty easy 2-0 and weekend. And so, but one game does not carry over to the next. And so, um, you're you're dead on, Kyle. Like this, this lineup's too talented to be, you know, they put up 17 runs in three games this past week, yeah. and they're 1-2. Like, that, that's that doesn't jive with what uh, with what this program is building, what they know that they can be, and what is being stressed to them on a regular basis. Maybe even more so now after this weekend that they they like that's a three and a week for most teams, and it probably should have been at least two and one for this team. But um, you know, 
as the venerable Yankees broadcaster John Sterling says, that's baseball season, and now you got to bounce back here on Tuesday night. Yep. Corey, one more point uh, before we let you go is: uh, Would you say that as far as the hitting is concerned? I forgot to ask you early on. Uh, general, generally speaking, for this past week, is it not uh, putting the ball into play? I know Coach Godwin has t- uh, put an emphasis on that as far as being uh, the hitting coach. Like, is that is that a, a fair thing to ask? Yeah, totally. I mean, they got struck out. 14 times yesterday. Yep. Um, and, you know, that that's that's just not going to do it. I mean, you think about the Pirates struck out 18 Eli on Friday night. What was their run total? I mean, it, that was a big old zero. Like, you can't do anything with that. Put it in play, see what happens. Um, I mean, that you look back at the five losses thus far, and I, I think it's important to keep stressing that we're talking about five losses in 22 games right now. But the last, you know, two of the last, you know, two of these five have happened recently. But these games have all had similar looks offensively to them. Um, so put it in play. Be tougher mentally at the plate. The physicality is there because they, they can they can hit home runs on you. The best home run hitting club, one of the best of the conference right now. Cincinnati might have caught them this weekend, but um, they can they can do their hit and runs. They can do their slash plays and do all of that. They're all equipped to do that. Uh, are they locked in to their at-bats mentally? Because once it got to a certain point on Tuesday, it certainly didn't look like it. And, and it was a battle yesterday as well. So um, there's a common thread between the defeats right now. Just There's a pretty common thread between the wins. How do you get, you know, you know, keep going on the positive side of that as opposed to the negative side of that. That's now the the message here that this coaching staff is relaying to these guys and how, you know, yeah, you, might, you might come out and just clobber Carolina on Tuesday. That'd be great. That will mean nothing for Thursday. So how do they respond after a game like Saturday? That, you know, it's not just looking back on what happened. It is forgetting what happens as well and saying, you know, that that has no bearing on what we're about to do. And that has being stressed probably more offensively than pitching wise at the moment. And no doubt it's going to be a big week as we're going to put the uh, games up on the screen. Uh, for those listening, it'll be Tuesday night, uh, March 30th at Greenville, ESPN Plus. And of course, our good friend, uh, Corey, does that mean 615 on the Pirate IMG, Learfield IMG network? Yep, Tuesday night, 6.15 with the Bud Light dugout show, uh, and then 6.30, first pitch. And, uh, yeah, note the uh, the Thursday start time there as well. That tripped me up over the weekend. That's a 4 o'clock opener against Cincinnati on Thursday with the doubleheader on Saturday or on Friday at 1 o'clock. So 15 minutes uh, before air for uh, Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And we'll have some uh, unique program to actually keep locked into for that. And the guys, did, did you, have you have you heard uh, any of you if we are going to fifty percent attendance, or are we sticking with thirty percent for now? I I believe they're working on expanding. I don't have a firm number, nor do I know what date they're eyeing that down for. But the, those discussions are being had um, about you know the. the the issue they're running into is, you know, the the mandate here from the governor. It's all about seated capacity. So even though the the number for Clark Leclerc is five thousand, um, that includes standing room in the jungles. And so that's why there are chairs out there right now is because they're putting seats out in the outfield to count towards capacity. So. Okay finding more room to try and put more chairs out there or spacing out people properly within the box seats and the bleachers. Those are discussions being had right now. Um, I don't know if it'll be for Tuesday or this weekend, but I know that they've been talking about it since that order came down. Just get a roller yeah. and go six feet. Yeah. And they might be doing just that, frankly. <laughs> I mean, they, they might just be the yardstick out yeah, and just yeah. putting it down the bleachers. But yeah, they're, I see Corey they're out there with a the tape measure. Yeah, they're working. I, uh, I think they were they were trying. They actually had the plans in place to get another probably another hundred in. If St. John's was in town this weekend, they were looking at thirteen hundred. They they had done a little bit more, and so they they were already kind of moving forward with trying to get more folks in there. Now the, the now the 
key is finding the space to do it. Okay. I mean, I, I know there's got to be more to it than that, but when you when you hear it, it's guys, you got to be six feet apart and if it's six capacity. So, I mean, I'm just taking a roller six feet, six feet, six feet, six feet. Yeah. Six feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, you know, it's it's not just six feet, one chair, six feet, one chair. You got to sculpt out four for, you know, a family or two for a couple of season ticket holders. That's no, true of enough. Yeah, true enough. So, true enough. yeah, so yeah, they're, they're breaking out the yardstick and they're breaking out some charts to, to try and get as many folks as safely out there as possible here. And I, hopefully it'll be coming up soon, but uh, know that they're working on it. Yeah, for folks who want more information about that, uh, Kyle's question, check out Thursday's Pirate Radio Live. Uh, Ryan Robinson was on. It was an excellent uh, interview, and Ryan was just talking about um, the things that Corey just mentioned as far as still having to be six feet apart and how um, previously it had been 1,200, but they were hoping to get it up to uh, maybe about 1,500 uh, moving forward at the 50% mark. So we, we shall see. I know my dad, uh, who's a season ticket holder, uh, who had not received an offer to buy season tickets thus far, um, received one um, last week uh, prior to what was hopefully going to be that series at home against St. John's, and um, he's going to buy his season ticket. Yeah, nice. and I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the daylight's growing pretty, pretty brighter here with what we're dealing with right now. I'm about to get jabbed for the second time on Wednesday. But um, I think this last week has shown that we're not out of this yet. I mean, we, this, we knew at some point a disruption was going to happen to this schedule, and it did. Uh, the Pirates were able to play some games, though, in spite of that. They were looking to. Um, but, you know, it's not as simple as getting 2,500 in that park. No, there, there's a lot more work here, and we're still, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, even though it seems pretty close to the end. So, very cognizant of that. So, um, still, if, if you don't get a call, unlike Bubba's father who just got one, um, understand that there's a reason for it and that, you know, we're, we're, we're still not at a point as a population, as a society where, um, where we can do that just yet. No, and I, and just, just to, to quick cover discussion, I think we're about to see with college spring break and now Easter spring break coming, I think we're about to see one more surge before vaccines get up and up to everybody and we can really start to get back to normal by the end of summer. Well, and keep in mind, ECU doesn't have spring break this year. Like, that's by design as well. Like, they're keeping trying to keep kids on campus, or at least in the area. And now, with, with the rollout here going pretty well, especially in the state, now all, everyone's going to be eligible here starting on the 7th. Um, to, if you can find a, your, a, a vaccine to that you can go do it, as long as you're at least 18 or 16, I forget what the age cutoff is. Um, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of this here, but um, we still got to be diligent in what we do. And the school is being diligent about what they're going to do in terms of baseball attendance. Yeah. And if you want a vaccine, people, and your county has not opened it up to everybody just yet, I do know Greene County and Jones County are both wide open to anybody that wants it. Keep looking around. If you want it, go find it. Corey, uh, appreciate you very much. We'll work on our movie lines. Do you guys have anything for uh, Corey? It snuck up on me this week. I just realized uh, right before the show. So um, do you have anything, Kyle? Uh, you know, I had something the other day that I wanted to mention to him, and it has slipped my mind. If I can think of it, I'll, uh, I'll hit him up on uh, Twitter. But uh, it's gone right now. But there was something I thought of that would have been a good line, and it, it's, it's left my brain. Uh, you got anything, babe? No, I'm going to work on it. I promise this week, Corey, I'll, that'll be my homework. Uh, it was a really rough week. So um, this is an easier week for me, a normal week, if you will. So uh, we'll work on that and, and be ready for next week. And I appreciate you so much for coming on. And hopefully the Pirates can have a much better week. A good week flushes out a bad one pretty quickly. And let's hope that's on the horizon here, gentlemen. And no doubt. How can people follow you on uh, social media? And then we'll let you go. Uh, Twitter, at Corey Glor. Uh, that's with an EY and a double O. My name says that right there, right there. Uh, and then uh, go to the Pirate Sports Network uh, Twitter account as well. We turn out highlights after uh, baseball wins as well. So if you're not able to listen to the broadcast, then you can hear uh, how we sound, how Coach O and I describe exciting moments of Pirate Baseball. And then I'm on Instagram as well. And then if you feel like uh, finding me on Facebook, go for it. But Facebook is Facebook. All right. Appreciate it, buddy, and uh, we'll be listening to you and Coach and uh, looking for a much better weekend. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Thank you, gentlemen. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it.
All right, as we're uh, moving right along, guys, uh, before we go, we obviously have a, a great guest we're going to have on uh, coming up soon. Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare, has agreed to come on, so we're working that up. In fact, if you're watching a live or on our archives, we have that on the screen. Uh, but the Russian nightmare coming on, and uh, I know, Kyle, maybe you'll um, get a chance to wrestle him, or you think you can take him now? Yeah, no, no. Nikita's retired, has been for several years now, but you know, I think my my uh, my lack of cardio and my bad knees will probably do me in with the Russian nightmare. A good day, but uh, <laughs> it, it'll be nice to uh, to have a conversation with him about Ivan. Obviously, we, Dave, you and I both knew Ivan, and uh, yep. at least I think you did. I knew him, and um, he lived in Eastern North Carolina for years there in Winterboy. I used to run into him all the time in Greenville and Kinston. So can't wait to talk to Nikita about that and talk to the Russian nightmare about. When Magnum TA uh, yeah. got in the automobile accident in his in his uh, Corvette uh, in Charlotte, and in the middle of his feud with uh, Nikita, and uh, Dusty made the decision as the Booker at Jim Crockett Promotions at the time NWA to uh, turn Nikita babyface and uh, team with uh, team with Dusty, and it, it really was something that the fans didn't expect, and it worked. It was an interesting decision on his part, really, when you think about it, if you understand wrestling booking, and it worked really well, and. The one of the most hated guys in wrestling overnight became one of the biggest baby faces at a time day when everybody hated Russia and the Soviet Union to, to Nikita to become a baby face with that Russian gimmick was uh, was unique and really surprising that it worked as well as it did. It really did. Magnum T.A., of course, one of the best wrestlers of all time and uh, had that unfortunate accident. Like you said, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. Um, oh my gosh, he could uh, cut a promo better than him and Ric Flair. But that's what, uh, that's what I should have gave Corey. I should have gave Corey a little, a little, uh, get this one in Corey. If you're, if you happen to go back and watch this, I've dined with Kings and Queens and I've slept in alleys and ate pork and beans, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Get the job done. Uh, for sure. We're looking forward to that. Uh, by the way, tomorrow night, folks, Monday night, we'll have a very special show being the Tuesday night's game in Greenville. So we'll push our Tuesday night show up to tomorrow night. We have uh, Sutton Young. He'll be on uh, with us. He's been working with us behind the scenes. Also, he's been working with ECU. So we appreciate his hard work on the sports objective and with ECU Sports uh, with our good friend Brian Medor. Uh, got to see, finally got to see a lot of the guys. It was good to be at. Uh, we'll also have our be talking about spring football and how that's going. We're uh, speaking of football. We're going to bring on our good friend Terry Gallagher. He's got a big announcement he'll make about what he's been up to. I'll save that for the show. And Dave guys, have... no, not that. Uh, that <laughs> no, not that. But uh, some good stuff there. Do you have guys have anything before we go? Uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back on track this week. I think the fans need that Carolina win. I think the the team just needs to win. Uh, I think a, uh, a three and uh, I think a, a four and one week, a five and zero week would be unbelievable. But I think a four and one week, no matter how it comes, uh, would would, uh, would would get things back on track and everybody would be smiling. And uh, I'll mention this about football, man. If you guys haven't go, go to our Facebook page, uh, Sports Objective on Facebook, we we have lots of post practice reports uh, for spring football up and. If you guys haven't checked out the post-practice reports, you can uh, y'all know Dave. You were out there. Mike Houston is all over himself. You you can just tell he knows that we're going to have a good football yep. team this year. You can just he just his energy. You could just tell it, and uh, you know right. you could just you could just feel the whole vibe. Is uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be a fun fall this year. No question about it. Let me uh, by the way before I forget too. Not only that, um, Kyle, but. Our good friends at Next Level Training Center with uh, Trent and Ganelle Britt. I appreciate them for sponsoring this show, Extra Innings. And you can go to nextleveltc.com. Maybe you need some, uh, your son or daughter needs some hitting instruction. They've got everything. You can give them a call to find out more information. 252 is the area code 756-NEXT. 252-756-NEXT. Again, you can go to nextleveltc.com. They have a tremendous Facebook page. Love that. They put up a lot of cool stuff. Uh, updating the fans on different guys that have come through there and some great observations. So check that out. Also want to give a shout out to Mark Minikazi for PGX gloves. I've got to go up there this week to order my daughter's stuff for softball, but you can go to pgxgloves.com. They've got all kinds of cool stuff, right, Kyle? Yeah. All our golfers out there again, we're, we're getting into the spring, the heart of golf season. So go get you some golf gloves. They got custom golf gloves, get your batting gloves for baseball, softball, 
Uh, they got they got wide receivers gloves for football. They got all kinds of gloves for your sporting needs. And don't forget about the swag. Check out that logo. If you like that logo, they got it on all kinds of different shirts and all kinds of different colors. PGXGloves.com. Put in code ECU in all caps. Save yourself 25% at checkout. It's going to be uh, thanks to them for uh, their sponsorships of the show very much. And uh, Bubba, do you have anything before we go? Nope. All right, that's easy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you uh, let you take Riley to go ahead. And I know that there, you guys are going to have a great season. Looking forward to my son Alexander playing baseball, my daughter Mackenzie playing softball this year. All right, so appreciate Corey Glore, the great play-by-play voice of the ECU baseball Pirates. Don't forget our great programming as always, and. Don't forget to, you can like our Facebook page. You can follow us um, on Twitter at the Sports OBJ. And don't forget, by the way, fans, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, really big. And we've got a lot of great promotions on social media to come this year. All right. Until next time, you've been watching Extra Innings brought to you by Next Level Training Center right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!